Today on Run With Horses, we look at stage three of our spiritual growth. We are growing to become disciple makers in Jesus' footsteps. My name is Norman, and my goal is to help you run your race well, not just surviving, but thriving as a disciple of Jesus. There are a lot of things you can do with your time, but I don't think anything compares with following Jesus and joining Him on His mission of bringing hope to the nations. Welcome to Run With Horses, and thanks for including me on your journey. Well, today's focus is the third stage of spiritual growth. We've been talking about these different stages that we pass through as we grow in Christ-likeness and understand what it means to be a spiritually mature individual. So today is the third stage, which is spiritual maturity and reproduction. It doesn't mean we've end, just because we would say we've reached spiritual maturity, but it means we've reached adulthood as an individual. Still have room to grow, but we are no longer a child. So we looked at the first stage, which is spiritual identity and the foundations. It's very important that we all understand who we are in Christ, who we are in God's sight, that we develop our character, and we learn the basics of the Christian life. It's a foundation we don't ever get away from, so that's important to recognize. We build on that foundation and move on to the second stage, which is spiritual sacrifice and service. So we learn how to relate in a biblical way to others applying the one another's of the New Testament in our relationships, and learning the meaning and value of sacrifice as we serve others. And then, finally, we get to, drumroll please, the third of the stages, spiritual maturity and reproduction. So what exactly are we talking about? Well, we're continuing to build on the foundation. It's like a foundation and a first floor and a second floor. You continue to build this house has multiple levels that you pass through. And remember that we never leave them. You don't ever throw your foundation aside or get off of it. You stay on that foundation. So as you're learning, as you're growing, you're continuing to build on the things that you learned, continuing to learn about them. But as you reach maturity, you're not just learning about some of these truths. You're beginning to practice these truths. You're beginning to live them out and practice your gifts in the life of others much more intentionally. So there's a level of intentionality that goes along with maturity that you really don't see in the earlier stages. You know, when you're just beginning your spiritual journey, you may not have a good idea of where you're going. So you can't be really intentional about it. You're still in that phase of learning, what does it mean that Jesus saved me, that I'm forgiven, that I have the Holy Spirit. What You don't really have a good concept of that. But as you grow in maturity and you begin to practice this Christian life, practice the spiritual disciplines, practice these relationships that we have in the church, you begin to reach the point where you say, oh, okay, that's what that means. And then you can apply some intentional effort to join along with God in what He does. So this third stage, you see the culmination of the things you've learned in the first two come together and allow you to take new steps in all of these different areas of life. So the first one is knowing and maintaining biblical priorities. You know, in the beginning, you're just learning what those are. In the first stage, you're learning who God is. What is God like? What does God hate? Uh, Who is he? What is his character like? What should I care about in my life? Jesus said he came to seek and to save the lost and do his Father's will. 
Well, part of our growth and understanding of who we are and who God is and what he's doing is to understand that we also were called to fulfill the Father's will. So as Jesus came to seek and save the lost, he invites us to be part of this mission. So we have biblical priorities that God has given us. They're not unclear, but in the beginning, you may not understand them. You may not see exactly how that works out. But as you grow, particularly once you reach this stage, the third stage, then I, I heard a pastor in Wisconsin he, years ago, he described as, you have to learn to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's difficult because... Once you get started, then one thing you'll find is the world offers a lot of distractions. There are so many things that you could spend your time and effort on. There are so many things that you could be involved in. You can lose sight of what's really important. So looking at things from an eternal perspective becomes really, really important. But let's keep it really simple for the sake of our discussion today. If we want to know and maintain biblical principles, there's a couple of things that I think are just foundational that, again, we don't get away from. We continue to build on. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So one of the things that is of primary importance to us is our faith. We have to learn what it means to trust God, what it means to believe in him. Uh, what it means to walk in faith. And along the way, we'll learn some things like what it means to walk in the Spirit and uh, to walk worthy of our calling. But that idea of faith and what it means to have faith and who we have faith in to continue to, to know Him better, that's really, really important. <laughs> I'd say that's very close to the main thing, if not the main thing. And you can even reinforce that by looking at Matthew 22, verse 36, where they come to Jesus and they ask Him, they didn't say, what is the main thing? But that's essentially the question. They said, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? So they're asking the question, what am I supposed to do? What's the most important thing? If I'm only going to keep one commandment, what one should I keep? So Jesus answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And then, because why stop with... Just the, the first thing, when you can basically cover it all in two, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So basically, they asked for what's the greatest. He said, these two basically contain everything else in the law and prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your mind. Now, that's the main thing. Whatever else you do in life, this is the main thing. The problem is, it's very, very difficult for us to do. Now, it's, it's not difficult to understand. Again, so many times we look at what the Bible teaches and people say, oh, it's so hard to understand. No, this is not complicated. Love God with every fiber of your being. That's not complicated. It means don't put anything else in front of God, ever. In any context of your life, there is never a time when you should put anything or anyone ahead of God. And now we struggle with that because, well, mostly because we ourselves want to be at the center of our life. Well, that also is wrong. We can't put yourself in the center either. But not your mom and dad, not your wife, not your husband, not your kids, not your coworkers, not your hobbies, not your job. There is nothing that you need to put ahead of God. You love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 
again, I, it seems like so much of the Christian life is this way. It's it's a simple concept, but it is very difficult for us to do. This is the first and the great commandment. This is the pursuit of the life of a Christian. I'm pursuing this kind of heart. So I'm constantly forced to come back and recognize my heart is is not completely devoted to God. My mind is not completely devoted to God. What do I need to do? How do I need to address that? And a lot of it is relinquishing control and saying, God, I'm yours. I want the Holy Spirit to control my heart, my soul, my mind. I want the Holy Spirit to guide me because the Holy Spirit will guide me, will direct me to love God more. And if I get that one right, then the second one actually becomes easy. The reason the second one becomes difficult, love your neighbors yourself, is because we miss the first one by a country mile. If you don't love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, then there's a very good chance that you're not even going to like your neighbor because God's easy to love. He blesses you. He cares for you. He invites you into a relationship with Him. He's preparing eternity for you. God is easy to love. And unless your neighbor is extraordinary, (laughs) most of your neighbors are not that easy to love. They have good days and bad days. Some days they're easy to love. Some days the people around you are really hard to love. If we don't have our relationship with God right, it is all but impossible to have a genuine, healthy love for our neighbor. But this is the core, this is the center of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So then the question, it's simple, but it's hard. So how do we do that? Part of what we're understanding now in this process of maturity is that this is the process of spiritual growth and sanctification. It's change in our heart, in our soul, in our mind over time. We're growing in our understanding of who God is, and as we grow in that understanding, we love Him more. The Christian life is the answer to the question, how do we do that? The Christian life is the culmination of all of our choices, all of our life activities. Our life proves that we have faith. Our life proves that we love God. And loving our neighbor gives evidence that we do that as well. Now, sometimes our life proves that we don't love God. (laughs) Our life and our love for our neighbor, our lack thereof, gives evidence that we don't really love God and we don't really love our neighbor. And it's not easy. If you think it's easy, I think you should consider Paul, what he had to say in Romans 7, because he certainly didn't think it was easy. Uh, Romans seven eighteen, Paul said, For I know that in me, that's in my flesh, in my body, nothing good dwells. For to will is present. I want to do the right thing. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. He said, I, I don't know how to do what's good. I want to, but I, I can't figure out how. He said, For the good that I, I will to do, the good I want to do, I don't do. But the evil I will not to do, the evil I don't want to do, that's what I do. That's what I practice. So Paul recognized this battle within, with the Holy Spirit pulling in one way and the flesh pulling another. It's not easy to love God or to love your neighbor. And it's in the middle of that battle that God grows us. I I think it's really cool that it is in this struggle that the process of sanctification occurs. So when you face trials, when you face temptations, when you face struggles and you fail, you feel that you fail, one of the things you should understand is 
God does not fail. He invites you to walk with Him. When you're knocked down, He invites you to stand up and learn the lesson that comes from falling. When we learn the lesson that comes with falling, then there's no failure in the falling. There's a step of faith and growth in Christ-likeness. God does not fail, even when we fall. So that's one of the things that's important in this third stage. Another one is we should have built some healthy spiritual habits in the earlier stages of our spiritual growth. By this time, you're really maintaining healthy spiritual habits that you've already developed and spiritual disciplines that you know are necessary to continue to build a strong spiritual life. So Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Again, we have that healthy biblical priority. We're actively engaged in this struggle in our life and our community. So what does that look like practically? Well, it looks a lot like practicing good spiritual habits, using the spiritual disciplines to support our spiritual life. This includes what we would consider basics. Many people can say these are the basics of the Christian life. So Bible study, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Understanding the Bible helps me to live the life God intends for me to live. So that would be a basic. And we continue to grow in our ability to practice this discipline of Bible study well. Prayer, Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Prayer, again, is a foundational spiritual discipline that helps us as we follow Christ. And the third one that I would consider at least a basic would be fellowship with the church. That relationship with the church is very, very special. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 and read the entirety of the chapter and you see how God has given the gifts to help us to equip us to build up the church. But starting in verse 14, it says that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, whom, from whom the whole body, this is the church, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The fellowship of the church, the working of our spiritual gifts, is what joins and knits us together through the work of the Holy Spirit. And as each one of us are doing our part, the body grows. And it grows as we love each other, as we care for each other, as we sacrificially serve each other, lift each other up, and support each other as we grow in Christ-likeness. Those three things are foundational. Again, we started this, should have started these three different basic disciplines in the first stage of your spiritual life. You should have, hopefully, someone when you accept Christ as your Savior that comes alongside you and introduces you to what it means to read the Bible, why we read it, how we read it, different methods of study, introduce you to the idea of memorizing Scripture, the idea of biblical meditation, not emptying our mind, but filling it with God's Word, should have introduced you to the idea of prayer, how we talk to God, how God invites us to relate to Him as a Father, Um, and fellowship with the church, how the church is a special body of people that God loves, that God has drawn together, and we have gifts that we need. So you can't sit at home on Sunday morning and 
do YouTube YouTube church and really be the Christian God wants you to be. Now, I understand. I'm not saying that there there are times when you miss and watching a YouTube video, watching uh, your church from home can be definitely helpful when you're sick. Uh, if you're homebound, there are people that reach a stage in their life, whether because of sickness or age or difficulties that they can't go. But if you're healthy and you're just choosing to sit at home, you're not healthy. <laughs> you're not spiritually healthy. You need to be with the body of Christ. It's important. So it includes those three. But the spiritual disciplines also include a lot of things that aren't part of most people's daily practice. Something like fasting. You don't fast every day. But Matthew 6, 16 says, when you fast, and it talks about how to do that. But when you fast, there's the expectation that you will fast. And I'll go ahead and say that as you mature in your understanding of the spiritual disciplines and how to apply them, one of the things you understand is that I'm doing this because I want to grow in Christ likeness. So I'm removing something from my life with the intention of adding something to have more of God in my life. So when you fast from food, for example, what are you replacing that with? Well, ideally, you're removing food and you have those times of the day when you would be eating and you're replacing it with maybe a little extra time in God's word, a little extra time in prayer. You have something intentional that you're doing to replace that. You're, you're not just not eating. It's helpful to carry that idea of taking something out to put something else in and apply it to other things in life. Some of us need to fast from the internet or from music or from books uh, that are not the Bible. There are a lot of things you can take out that take an unhealthy place in your life. Maybe you need to fast from video games, but you don't just take out that thing. You need to put more of God in that, whether it's Bible reading or prayer or uh, discussion with another believer. You need to have something that you're replacing that with for a time. Fasting is helpful. Solitude. You know, that's not something a lot of us have much of. You know, I'm busy. Sometimes I'm seeing a lot of people every day. But Luke 5, 16 says, So he himself, this he being Jesus, often withdrew into the wilderness, that solitude, and prayed. So it's not solitude for the sake of solitude. If you're a private person, if you're kind of an introvert, you may say, hey, solitude is awesome. Okay, well, solitude for the sake of solitude is not helpful. Or it might be helpful sometimes, but... It's not what we're talking about. That would not be the spiritual discipline. The spiritual discipline would, would be solitude so that we have greater opportunity to focus on God. There are a lot more. We're not going to take the time to go through all of those today, but a good resource if you're thinking about the spiritual disciplines is the book by Dallas Willard. It's called The Spirit of the Disciplines. I'll put an Amazon link in the show notes. You can look at the website, uh, runwithhorses.net, to see the show notes or look up on uh, Amazon, Dallas Willard, The Spirit of the Disciplines. He goes through a lot of different disciplines, how to use them, why to use them, gives some examples of what they are. I, I recommend highly that you explore these disciplines as you consider how to grow in your life, how to uh, tackle problems, issues that you face. I really look at the spiritual disciplines as tools in a toolbox, and I want to use the right tool at the right time. It's true you can drive a nail with a wrench. It works a lot better with a hammer. <laughs> you can you can turn a, a screw with a wrench, but again, it works a lot better with a screwdriver. So there are a lot of tools you can use in your spiritual life. 
the more tools you have, the more likely you are to find the right tool for the job. And as you're looking at your spiritual life and inviting the Holy Spirit in, a lot of these tools, the spiritual disciplines, are very helpful as you do that. The third thing I want to mention as we think about maturity is you begin to look, well, you should already be looking in the second stage, beyond yourself, but you're a lot more intentional about it in this third stage. So you intentionally seek out younger people and invest in their spiritual life. You know, Deuteronomy 6.6 6 is... It's talking about the fathers, but it said, And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. But this is not just your children. One of the things that is important to us as we become spiritual adults is that we seek to become spiritual parents, which means we take some responsibility for other people who maybe are not as far down the path as we are. So it's not that you know everything. You don't have to have every answer. But you have to be willing to reach out and say, hey, let me give you a hand. I'm willing to help. I, I want to help you. I want to encourage you. I want to pray for you. So you take a little bit of responsibility for the spiritual growth of others with the goal of helping them to grow. You know, I always like Joshua 24, 15. It's a passage or a verse a lot of you are familiar with. And he says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is one of the things that a spiritually mature person is going to do. They're going to put out that challenge to people who are maybe even just immature believers who are making poor choices. He said, hey, make your choices. But for me, I'm committing my life. I'm committing everything that I am, everything that I have, to following Jesus. You have to choose for yourself. But that call, that challenge, needs to come from mature believers. So you're to be a beacon of light in the lives of those around you. Challenge them to consider the claims of Jesus and to see the world from an eternal perspective. This would include the ideas of evangelism as well, as you challenge people to consider the claims of Christ. So hand in hand with that, the last thing we want to mention today, thinking about maturity and reproduction, is this idea of reproduction. So we need to prioritize disciple-making activities and relationships as we grow in maturity and desire to be reproducing Christians. And this comes uh, from Jesus' <laughs> maybe the biggest command, the last command, Matthew 28, 18, uh, and following. And Jesus came and spoke to him, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is what Jesus challenged his command, his disciples to do. I've been thinking re recently, and I think I've already mentioned it on an earlier show. You know, when Jesus was t talking to Peter, and he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter answered, you know that I love you. What did Jesus say? Feed my sheep. He repeated that three times. So Peter walked away with this very clear understanding. God expects me to feed his sheep, to take care of his church family. Well, then what does this say here? Because this is something that Peter would have understood and heard, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. So he's saying, Peter, I told you to feed my sheep. Now, you need to teach other people what it means to follow me and help them learn and grow so that they also will feed my sheep. As a 
stage three Christian here, we're talking about maturity. You cannot consider yourself in the third stage if you are not involved in feeding his sheep. That is a very clear expectation for followers of Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.2 And the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an expectation for a mature follower of Jesus. You know, we pass through different stages. Physically, infant, child, young adult, parent. That's a great picture for the spiritual life. You start as an infant. You don't know a lot. You move on to a child. You're able to feed yourself a little bit with help. Become a young adult where maybe a little less selfish. You can take care of yourself. You can take a lot more responsibility. But the last stage... You can be a, an adult. You can move out of being a young adult into being an old adult who still is not a parent. The goal for you, the goal that God has for you, is that you become a spiritual parent. And there's two sides to that. There's your relationship with the world. This would be evangelism. You're a spiritual parent as someone walks from death into life and is born as an infant into the kingdom of God. But there's also the spiritual parent who is a disciple maker, who is helping Christians, people who are already following, to grow. You're parenting a child who maybe you didn't bring into the world, but it's more like an adoption. You're helping them grow to the next stage. There is this expectation for you as a follower of Jesus. To be honest, I really believe with all my heart that this is the primary role of the church in the world today. It is our goal, it is our role to make disciples. It is in this way that we take on that challenge of Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 to be ambassadors for Christ. We're representing him. How do we do that? Well, we do in lesser way what he did. He made disciples, he challenged us to make disciples. We follow him. We help others to follow him. And every generation, every generation is responsible for taking up the cause of Christ and reaching the next generation. If we stop, it doesn't go forward. We have to continue. We have to take up that mantle ourselves. We have to do what Jesus said, to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself the right to do whatever you want in life. Take up your cross, the cross of the mission of Christ, this responsibility of helping other people understand who God is, understand who Jesus is, understand the meaning of the gospel, understand what is offered through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Every generation is responsible for that message. It's not primarily information or education. We often make that mistake in our churches. We want to pass information or education along, but it's whole life transformation into the image of Jesus. Our lives are changed from the inside out, eventually impacting every thought, word, deed, and relationship. This is what it means to follow Jesus. In the third stage of spiritual growth, you're taking up the mission of Christ and acting as his ambassador to the world as you prepare the next generation of disciples to one day do the same. It's a big task, but it's God's task, and he will not fail. How awesome it is that he lets us be a small part of that it's the great work of reconciliation that he's doing to build his church. And our spiritual disciplines and study support that work in our life. Thanks for joining me today. Check out runwithhorses.net for the show notes and for past shows. Write me at norman at runwithhorses.net if you have questions or comments. 
Join our Facebook community, ask questions, talk to other people, tell a friend if you found this show helpful. And whatever you do, keep running. <laughs>